0: Hey, welcome to First Church, and I'm excited that you are here today because we are launching a new series called It's Complicated. It's our relationship series. It's going to be going on for the next several weeks, and we've invited for this Sunday a special guest speaker I'm going to talk about here in just a second, but before I do, I have a couple things I want to get, uh, get done first. First is I want to welcome in our online family because I know we have a whole bunch of people joining us online, so if you are here on site, would you get your hands together? Welcome in our online family. Let them know we're glad that they're joining us today. We are happy to have you guys, also our Modern Hymn service welcome as well. And as a church family, we have a couple things we need to celebrate. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday. Probably most of you guys were here, but in case you weren't, it was an incredible Sunday. And I just want to show you some clips of what happened. Take a look. Yeah, it is truly incredible what God is doing in this place. By the way, we can add one more to that baptism number. We had another one this week, and we have another one scheduled for next service, so we can add another one after today, so yeah. Seeing lives changed all the time by Jesus is awesome. And that number of 29.08, I think it was, for our on site attendance, in case you don't know, that is the largest attendance on site that we have ever had in the history of our church. And so that's great. And that's more than just a number. Guys, those are lives. And we have a chance every single week here to tell those lives about the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's why we exist as a church. And God is giving us some great opportunities to do just that. I'm excited about where he's taking us in our future. And speaking of our future, the other thing we have to celebrate is we finally have received word that we are gonna be breaking ground on our new First Kids building. And so that's gonna be happening. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's going to be happening not tomorrow, but next Monday, and so what that means is next Sunday we have scheduled a special groundbreaking ceremony after both of our services, so make sure you are here next Sunday. We're going to talk about it in the service, but also have some special stuff going on that you can participate in after the services. It's going to be a day to remember as we finally great- break ground on our new First Kids facility. I can't wait. God is moving and doing some great stuff. And speaking of great stuff, today we have our guest speaker, Dr. Alan Algram. He is a nationally known speaker. He has spoken at conventions and conferences all over. He was the minister of Rocky Mountain Christian Church in Colorado for years, the founding minister there, one of our mega churches. And he is an author and Just a a writer for different publications, and he is well-known. But his specialty is soul care and soul strength. That's what he loves to talk about. And in his retirement, he is actually helping and training church leaders so that they can make sure that their hearts are right. And so he's going to bring a message today as we kick off this relationship series to make sure that our hearts are right so that we can have the type of human connection that we need to have with one another and also that connection with God, healthy connection with God as well. He's been married for 55 years. Years, he says, if he makes it, 55 years uh, this year, and uh, he's just a great guy, and I hope that you will give a warm First Church welcome to Dr. Alan Algram. <laughs> I also forget... <clears throat> I also forgot to mention his book is available as well, so I gotta plug that for him because he doesn't want to plug his own book. So I'm gonna plug it. We have copies of his book available. It's out in our uh, gathering space. You can get it uh, for 15 bucks. If you go to Amazon, it's 20, so it's a discounted price. 15 bucks, you can get it out in our lobby. It would be worth your purchase, so you can pick that up. And he'll even sign a copy for you. So anyway, let's do it again. Let's welcome Alan again.
1: Well, it is uh, an absolute delight for me to be with you today. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, what a joy it's been for me to uh, connect head and heart with Chad, and to uh, be with the elders last night to connect uh, with his favorite wife, Allison. Oh boy, uh, uh, his only wife. But it, uh, <laughs> what a great, what a great place this is. God has uh, done amazing things here, and he's not finished yet. I've really been looking forward to uh, being uh, with you, and that's because of my new heart-strong connection with your pastor. By God's grace, uh, we've recently become connected through a soul-enriching covenant group that uh, you will definitely be hearing more about. It's a model that's producing in-depth community, even heart-healthy transformation with Christian leaders all around the country. This I know, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord gives strength to his people. He blesses his people with peace. The Lord does that through his spirit and through his people. The Lord wants the best for all of us, and that's why he He is flowing blessing to us through others who know us. This I know, the ones who know who I know the best, really know at a heart level, those are the ones I trust the most. And it's the same for you. When you come to know a person's heart, you come to know the real person. That's when there's neither self-protection nor self-promotion. They're fully transparent. They're authentic. The real deal. And as you know, relationships like that are really rare. And that's because in-depth, head and heart relationships can be, uh, well, complicated. <laughs> oh, yes, they can. I mentioned I've been married for 55 years. Talk about complicated. Uh, women are not always easy to predict. They're not normal like men, I'm telling you. It's just like, <laughs> oh, wow. Now, I don't know a lot about women. I've been married to one. But uh, I'm still learning about uh, her. But the reality is that uh, relationships at any season of life are somewhat complicated. Just when you think you've got to figure it figured out, oops, I missed that one. Uh, uh, I mean, I apologize to my wife regularly. Sometimes I feel like I need to get up in the morning and say, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened, but uh, (laughs) no, it's not quite that way. But from time to time, I've had to open my heart to her and let her know that uh, I get it. Uh, I'm I'm learning what it means uh, to be connected still, head and heart. Well, it's my privilege to be here with you today to uh, launch this new series. It's complicated but it's worth it, and I hope to help you cut through the clutter to better understand how to meaningfully connect with others at a heart level, at a heart level for the sake of your soul. So I like to ask a lot of questions, and often I'm in small settings, so I can do that and give people time to ponder and respond like this, who knows you well enough to know the true condition of your heart and soul? We're not talking about just the surface stuff. But the things that matter most to you, about the inner you, who you are at the core of you. Heart stuff is the most important stuff. Now I'm slow to understand this, but over the years I've come to be convicted about this. And uh, as you've heard, I work with men around the country. Uh, my wife works with kids. Uh, she thinks kids are really important. Um, I don't get it, but she thinks it's all about kids, you know, Uh, and I think, without the men, you wouldn't have these kids, you know, come on. Uh, I work with men, and what I found is that guys long to have strong heart connections uh, with other guys. Now, there's this powerful verse that is found in Proverbs 4.23 that we're going to be springing from today. Keep your heart, your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life." Now, guys, help me out here, okay? I want the guys, to, just the guys, to repeat this verse out loud. You guys ready? Here we go. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. All right, gals, everybody now can do it together. Ready? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, In their book, Unhindered, my friends, Dr. John uh, Walker and Dr. Chetty Byers, say we can learn a lot from Scripture about the heart. The word heart is used 570 times in the NIV Bible, and it's most often used metaphorically to describe the inner self, our true selves. Now, I used to think... (laughs) that heart language was about weaker things. Now I know it's about stronger things. It's really about the dominating desires of your life. It's not about mere sentimentality, but about energy, about vitality. Dr. Brené uh, Brown really helped me understand that it's connected, strongly connected, with courage. She called attention to the fact that at its core, courage is about speaking all of one's mind by sharing all of one's heart. Needless to say, Those sorts of conversations are both risky and rare because entrusting your heart to another person requires not just greater transparency, but at times some soul-stretching vulnerability. No one, no one can be heart-healthy alone. We all need others to sharpen, encourage, resource, and connect us. At times, we even need others to strongly challenge us to listen to our hearts. So that we can lead, guys, lead from our hearts. But I don't need to tell you that that's a risky thing to do. Oh, wow. Like the old joke about the four ministers taking turns, confessing their deepest struggles. First said he had a struggle with lust, and others said, Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, okay, we'll pray, we'll pray for you. They all promised to pray for him. The second said he had a problem with wine, sometimes drank to excess. The other guys nodded. Promised to pray for him. Third said he, he had a problem with greed, sometimes didn't even tithe. Others shocked, promised to pray. Fourth said, Phew, frankly, I am stunned by all of this. Okay, I'll admit I got a problem. I got a problem. I got a problem with gossip, and I can hardly wait really to get out of here. <laughs> now, here, this is the risk element, guys. Who do you know? that you can safely entrust your stuff with. Here's what I know. Those who have most vulnerably entrusted their hearts to me, I have come to trust the most. That doesn't happen easily or frequently because it requires discernment and carefulness. We're told in Proverbs 12, 26, a wise man is cautious in friendship. Yeah, we need to be careful, don't we? We've all been wounded, we gotta be careful. Yet life-giving friendships are essential for our well-being and strength of soul. Now, here's how I've often illustrated this uh, to bring some clarity to the complexity Of relationships, so it started some years ago. And I told you, Chad, I was speaking. uh, I was with a a group of pastors of large churches in Colorado Springs, and um, we didn't know each other well. And the topic came up of authenticity, and I said, "Well, actually, guys, I think that authenticity comes at three levels. See what you think of this." So, at the base level, there's honesty. Honesty with all. I mean, Christians, we tell the truth. Now, that doesn't mean that we tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth when we're greeted at the restaurant today, okay? No, 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 that's inappropriate. But we don't intentionally deceive. So foundationally, all relationships are grounded in honesty. But then some mature, develop to transparency, and that's transparency uh, with some. And there are levels of that. And then that matures in a few cases to the level of vulnerability, and that's, that's with a select few. Now that's the stuff that could hurt you, okay? That could come back, that could bite you. You gotta be careful there. But the strongest relationships in life mature to that level of vulnerability. And that's <clears throat> where real health is gonna be found. Heart health is not accidental. And as we come up that level, trust increases. As trust goes up, vulnerability goes up. Now, I love this verse in Psalm 138, verse 3. When I called, you answered me, David said. This warrior poet. He says, you made me bold and stout-hearted. Now, how does God do that? He does that through the only two things that are eternal. His word and his people. The Lord has entrusted us with his word. And with his people for the sake of our soul. Fundamentally, it is God who is an essential source of our heart, health, and strength. But how does God actually increase our health and strength? How does he do that? When facing the challenges of life, especially the giant challenges, we need both God's word and God's people. We need to open our hearts to both. So, do you tend to uh, live and lead more? With your head or with your heart? In a coaching call uh, with a good friend talking about his current leadership drains, both with his staff and with the elders of his church, the more he shared, the more concerned I became. Oddly, by the end of the call, I was more agitated than he was, and we were talking about his problems, not mine. (laughs) And that's when I asked him a question. Rick, are you more of a head leader or a heart leader. He paused, admitted that in the face of troubling trends and complicated leadership issues, he tended to take more of a head up approach. That is, he rarely lost sleep over things because it just didn't bother him that much. He didn't let it bother him. Well, that led me to bothering him. (laughs) I challenged him to share more of his heart with those in his leadership circle. It was a strong challenge. Both of us will forever remember that conversation. Guess what? When he began to do that, his leadership moved to a whole new level. Do those closest to you know your heart? Do they know when you're dealing with deep disappointment? Do they know when you're feeling frustrated or hurt or overwhelmed or maybe under-supported? Do they know when you're feeling an inner compulsion or a conviction, an unshakable passion, a sense of divine determination? You don't have to shout that if you're convinced of that. Those closest to us shouldn't have to guess about our feelings, especially in face of the daunting challenges of life. Now, Candidly sharing our feelings doesn't mean erupting with anger, but at times it does require openly sharing our concerns with heartfelt conviction, with passion. Frankly, uh, that's what I appreciated most about Chad's message last Sunday. Oh, wow. When he transparently, even vulnerably, shared some of the struggles he and Allison have recently faced with her health. His entire sermon was true. I listened to the whole sermon. It was all true, but it was his heartfelt message within the sermon that had the greatest impact on us all. And everybody said, what a moment. There should always be a linkage between our head and our heart. It's been said that we, uh, we all need help with that. We need others to help us understand ourselves because what the heart knows today, the head will understand tomorrow. That requires we have both the mind of Christ and also a heart of courage to process the challenges that we all face. Sometimes silence isn't golden. It's ungodly. Every godly leader knows that some situations require bravely speaking with boldness and also humbly listening to others when they do the same. Several weeks ago I was once again asked about this, a strong leader, uh, he's serving in Africa right now, and he asked me to elaborate on the difference between those who are headstrong and those who are heartstrong, the difference I make between uh, bravado and boldness. And that's when the story of David and Goliath immediately came to mind. The way I see it, David had boldness, Goliath had bravado. Follow this. No one was willing to face the nine-foot-nine enemy of the living God in battle, not even King Saul. And Saul was the biggest man in Israel, both in rank and in stature. It wasn't until young David showed up that anyone was willing and able to speak up with the passion and the confidence necessary to convince the king to allow him to represent the entire nation in one-on-one combat. It's an amazing account. And you know how the story goes. Someone once said, while everyone else saw a giant too big to face, David saw a target too big to miss. (laughs) David challenged Goliath, not just with his sling and a small stone, but in the mighty name of the living God. David wasn't just headstrong. David was heartstrong. And that's why God said, I have found David. Son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Are you more headstrong or heartstrong? It's an important question. In another coaching call, I was asked to uh, define the difference between headstrong and heartstrong. And after fumbling around for a moment, I suggested a headstrong leader approaches complicated challenges with a cocky attitude. Hey, I got it. By contrast, the heartstrong leader lives and leads with the humble conviction God's got this. Bravado is head up, boldness is heart up. Bravado is haughty, boldness is humble. Goliath had bravado, David had boldness. David was incensed that a pagan bully was intimidating the people of God. David's response was not to join the majority who were cowering in fear, but to stand up with conviction that God would bring victory. Why? David knew that the victory would not be accomplished by him, but rather by God, through him. David was heartstrong. Even though we accept the reality of giant problems, know our inherent weakness to fix them, we also know that our God is bigger than any 9 foot 9 Problem we will ever face. Do you believe that? God is at work right now. (laughs) Easter changes everything. Everything. The Apostle Paul reminds us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us who believe. When you become convinced of that, you won't have much trouble convincing anyone else of that. Every time we grapple with something, we go through a personal heart challenge. We have to ask ourselves, do I really believe what God has said and entrusted to me? And if so, am I ready and willing to entrust it to someone else? Guys, heart work is hard work. No one should ever agree to lead anything unless they're willing to wrestle with matters of the heart. John Flavel once wrote, "The greatest difficulty in conversion is winning the heart to God and after to keep the heart with God." Heart work is hard work indeed. That's why I begin most every deep conversation with the men I mentor by checking in with a descriptive word or phrase. And then a personal declaration. We all do this in these circles we sit in. I'm all in. What's that mean, all in? It means without self-promotion. It means without Self-protection. The guys I work with are all strong leaders. They lead big things. And there is never any self-promotion. There's never any chest-thumping about it. We gather without self-promotion and without self-protection, and that requires trust. Trust to entrust. Now, it's an amazing thing how often this is actually addressed in Scripture that I just was oblivious to for too long. 2 Corinthians, uh, this is interesting, In 2 Corinthians 6. The Apostle Paul writes this. It's very interesting how this flows. We have spoken freely to you, he says. We've spoken to you freely, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. Come on, guys, as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. How long has it been since you've done that? I'll have to finish a deep connection by saying, if this were the last conversation we ever had, is there anything else you need to hear from me or say to me? I still have a visual of saying that to one of my buddies in a restaurant. Not long ago, this strong guy just starts tearing up. I don't mean it like uh, it's a sad thing. I mean it is a sobering reality. You never know when you're gonna have a last conversation with somebody, do you? You never know. If it's the last, I mean like if this is the last Sunday we ever have, this is a pretty good Sunday and this is a day the Lord's made, gonna rejoice and be glad in this. I have never lived this day before. I've never seen this day before and I'll never see it again, how about you? I wanna live this day with delight and celebration. What a gift this is. What a privilege it is to connect with you guys. It is a joy to have heart level conversations with people. Now, those kind of wholehearted conversations often require, well, a safe place, a safe person, an unhurried pace and that is sacred ground and ground that must be cultivated. Relationships like this are by definition rare ones because they demand the best from us all. They demand our hearts. How long has it been since you experienced an unhurried, unhindered, wholehearted connection with a trusted ally? For leaders, this isn't just nice, it's necessary. It's not optional, it is essential. It isn't just that happen occasionally, it should happen frequently. This is the essence of our calling, Jonathan Edwards once wrote, the first and greatest work of a Christian is about his heart. How healthy is your heart right now? It doesn't matter whether we lead a ministry in the church or a business enterprise or even our own family. I mean, tough stuff happens, sad things. Oh, wow. What matters most is our heart connection, our heart condition. While most leadership books focus on topics related to strategy and skill, there's a gazillion of them the most important and enlightening book of all, puts the emphasis first on heart and soul. Get this, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. Look at what happens first here. The sequence is so important. David shepherded them first with integrity of heart, then with skillful hands. Heart comes before skill. In my mentoring and coaching of leaders far and wide, I've learned that what most of them crave is not mere leadership tips, but soul-enriching, heart-challenging conversations. We all need these to process the hits and the hurts of life and leadership. What we all know is that ministries and businesses don't crater primarily because of strategy mistakes. They crater because of self-centeredness and sin. The prophet Jeremiah declared the hardest deceitful above all things, a, it is beyond cure. Who can understand it? And we see this confirmed every day. In national news, leaders crashing, moral failure, happens among the media elite, top CEOs of business, sadly, times even in senior leadership of the church. The body of Christ is interrelated. When one of us determines to live selfishly or sin grievously, all suffer some of the collateral damage. It's why I often say to those I trust, we're sitting in these strong circles together, and I say, okay guys, I have no secrets, and it's well with my soul. Hmm. That is often the penetrating question then that I will ask others my closest colleagues. Only those who know us the best would ever dare to ask that question. So who might you uh, invite to ask you that question? Who might you invite to ask you that same question? Here it is. Your life and mine will never be any richer than our relationships. Some of you guys... uh, It's a big deal to you how much money you got and your investments and return and da-da-da-da-da. Okay. But those, I mean, the material things in life are not true riches. You're only as rich as what you could take to heaven with you. Are you rich relationally? The Christian life is never a solo affair. Our enemy wants to isolate us. He is out to destroy us. God wants to connect us so that he can enrich us. Now, I want to help them hopefully uncomplicate this, bring some clarity to uh, this thing of connections. And think of it like this. This really helps, I think. Uh, Everybody's got a series of circles of life, but social scientists say that there's a limit to the number that we can uh, truly be close to. And as I go through this in this visual, understand that People will migrate from time to time from one circle to the next. That's just life. So who are the ones in, in your circle that are your friends for life? That is your most life-giving friends. So just picture it like this. And this, uh, you may want to you know, do some reflection on this today, certain some of you will. So at the beginning, oh, there's you, smack in the center. Can't get away from you. Wherever you go, there you are. you aware of this? <laughs> Where, wherever you go, there you are, okay? Then what's, what's surrounding you? Well, they say you have basically five close intimates. That's usually family, not always, but five close intimates. These are the ones that influence you the most. you got to be careful who's going to be uh, with you there. The next circle out is 15 close friends. Close friends, right? Next circle out, 50 casual friends. And then beyond that, this is social scientists say, there are about maybe 150 of being in the category of casual acquaintances. Now you look at this, some of you say, well, Alan, come on. I mean, I got way more friends than that because I'm on Facebook. Well, <laughs> whoop-de-woo for you, Facebook friends. Okay, No, 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 no. What we're talking about are those relationships that are truly personal. They're, they are active friendships, okay? Now when you think of it like that, you say, well, that brings some clarity. Uh, where am I investing most of my emotional energy? Now, all of these and more are in our circles of life, but only the inner three, only the inner three circles might be called our friends for life. By the way, let me go. I've got three kids, two daughters. I'm I'm gonna speak to the unmarried uh, gals in this church. The kind of guy you want is not just a guy who wants something from you, You want a man who wants something for you. Who are your friends for life? That doesn't mean you're going to be friends for 50 or 70 years, but most life-giving, okay? Now, that doesn't dismiss the value of anyone, but rather to recognize that we all have a limited amount of time and energy. The good news is that while we are all called to love everyone, we're not called to be close to everyone. Those closest to us will always be the ones who have the most influence on us. This I know, soul strength is contagious. We catch it from those we choose to be in deep, heartfelt community with us. And here's the good news. You don't need a lot of people in your life, guys. You don't. You just need the right life-giving people in your life. Everyone needs a relational oasis. So who might you know that could join you on a soul-strengthening journey? You just need a few others. I get an idea, you could start with one, how about that? (laughs) Just start with one person and then build from there. The key would be a mutual desire, not just to survive in life and leadership, but to thrive. Life is messy, life is complicated, but it doesn't have to be lonely. Everyone needs close connections. No one can be heartstrong alone. We all need others for heart strength. We all need others to help us sort through the complexities of life. And isn't it interesting that when Jesus chose the 12 apostles, this is amazing, this is in the Bible, Mark 3, he appointed 12 that they might be, what? With him. I remember the day that, that word just popped off the page for me. Hmm. Jesus is reminding us all that it's not just a matter of what you do in life or where you go in life, but who it is that is doing these things and going these places with you. We seem to forget that Jesus lived on earth in community. Jesus was in a small group. Wow. Does that describe you? Could it be that some of the most enriching friends you've ever had, you've yet to cultivate... You may have yet to even meet some of them, or perhaps you've known them for years, but just on a surface level. Well, Could it be that God might have greater plans for you than you can now envision? I believe here's the message for a few of you today. This is going to change your life because you're going to decide to actually do something about this. So here's the illustration. Last year when uh, this uh, book came out that... uh, you just heard mention of. Uh, I decided to send one to my um, old college roommate. Bob is a good guy, really good guy, We stayed in touch over the years. He's in our wedding, we talk periodically, uh, mostly we joke around, that's what we do. And you know, we got a lot to joke about, former roommates, lots of funny funny stories. Uh, Bob's a retired teacher um, in Kentucky, and now he's part of a very large church and uh, he is uh, co-teaching a strong Sunday school class in that church. He's a very personable guy. Uh, after I sent Bob a book, he sent me a stunning text. Fantastic, in caps, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's nice. Um, but what really stunned me was the next text I got. Uh, he had decided that he was going to launch a soul circle with several other guys. Now, uh, That was amazing to me. And what was even more amazing, when we talked about it, he got emotional. My buddy, Bob, who I had never seen ever emotional, was emotional. I didn't know he was capable of that. I had never seen or heard that from him. And when I asked why, he explained that he he read something about this in the book that he envied the fact that his wife had close gal friends and he had no close guy friends. He had tons of connections, but no one really knew him at his core. He had no, get this, truly active friendships. And that all changed with Soul Strength. Each of the four in his group shared a level of depth that shocked themselves sharing stories of pain that no one knew anything about. It wasn't forced, but one guy jumps in the deep end of the pool, the other guys will line up and do the same. One described the experience as so profound that now they're actually referring to each other as soul allies. Do you have any soul allies? We all want to finish well, more in love with Jesus at the end than at the beginning. That's a pretty good definition. I got that from my buddy Dr. John Walker, finishing well, more in love with Jesus at the end than at the beginning, and I would add this, and more closely heart connected with others because of him. But that does not happen accidentally. That happens only intentionally, and at times even courageously. So I recently had lunch with one of my closest, most courageous friends, true partner uh, in this ministry of soul care. Steve is a big business guy. Uh, He used to buy and sell businesses for a billionaire. Now he heads up his own investment company in Boulder, Colorado. And Steve has been key to the launch of this book, endorsing it with his business buddies far and wide. And we're sitting at a recent lunch, and he could hardly wait to tell me how he had just seen God at work in a business meeting back in Michigan that was heading south. Uh, There was intense disagreement, anger, hateful attitudes erupting. Finally, he had had enough. And that's when he pushed back The table, and my buddy Steve, the business guy, went pastor on them. He said, Listen, we're going to lose this business unless attitudes change right now. You got to set hate aside and love each other, give each other the benefit of the doubt, or everything is going to collapse. And then he quoted something I had shared months prior with him in one of our lunches a quote from Tim Keller that Steve now uses as a daily prayer. Listen to this. Here's how it goes. Lord, save me from the sins of my tongue and the flaws of character that fuel them. Make my words honest by taking away my fear. Few, by taking away my self-importance. Wise, by taking away my thoughtlessness. And kind, by taking away my indifference and irritability. When he finished sharing that challenge in prayer, he said, it's amazing, the atmosphere in the meeting totally changed. Some were even in tears. Many privately thanked him after. Some even asked for that prayer for themselves. Now, the company is headed in the right direction, but more importantly, some of those people are headed in the right direction with attitudes that have radically changed about their interpersonal relationships. How did that happen? Not because Steve went head to head with 20 people in a business boardroom, any more than capable of doing that, but because Steve did the unexpected and courageous thing and went heart to heart. Steve did the risky and courageous thing of entrusting his heart to others, even in a business meeting. This I know. Relationships grow only at the speed of trust. And trusting others is the key to connectivity and relational vitality. Your life and mine will never be any richer than our relationships. As God is for you. He is madly in love with you. He wants you to be connected with him and to be heart-connected with others. That's what he wants Make no mistake, soul strength is contagious. It really is. We catch it and we keep it through those we have entrusted with our stuff and who in turn have entrusted us. Andrew Bennett once said, the longest journey you'll ever take is the 18 inches from your head to your heart. So here we go again. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Well, why don't you join me in saying it, okay? You ready? You ready? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And everybody said? Amen. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to grow heart strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.